Cheers. Cheers. Here's to an amazing 2021. This is Van Collar. Van Collar. We're at the West Coast. My name is Mo Amir, and today on This is Van Color, I am joined by my pick for guest of the year. This year, I have been blessed with some incredible guests and incredible moments on this podcast. We got heads turning, we created some drama, we pissed some people off, and we even graced national newspapers, including mentions on many front pages. We went mainstream, baby. And as bizarre as this year has been, this podcast has blown up, and I am so grateful for each and every one of you that has allowed me into your life, as loud as I may be. And ugh, I'm going to do that line again. Sorry. Oh, it's on a roll. You were. <laughs> and as bizarre as this year has been, this podcast has blown up, and I'm so grateful for each and every one of you that has allowed me into your life, as loud as I may be, to bring you the people in this province and country that fascinate me. So as always, rate, review, subscribe, follow me on Twitter at Van Color. But in the meantime, my guest of the year, she needs no introduction. She was featured in episode 64 this year, all the way back in February. She is an award-winning Canadian broadcasting icon and a community leader who has volunteered thousands of hours and helped raise millions of dollars in her advocacy for healthcare, the well-being of children and people with disabilities. She has the Order of British Columbia to her name. I'm going to take credit for her getting into podcasting because she now hosts <laughs> Telus Talks podcast, which you should definitely check out. She's back. She's here. The wine is flowing. She is Tamara Tagger. Tamara. Oh, my gosh. Why me? How are you? I'm great. Well, I'm great now after that <laughs> intro. Why? I don't get it. Why me? I seriously, I don't get it. What? You have like, no, I'm not looking for compliments here. I'm not. I'm seriously not. But it's so funny because I just heard you say that. And it's like, why would you choose me at the end? Even as I was leaving the house, I said to my husband, oh, I'm going to do this podcast, you know, Van Color and I, I don't know, I'm his, like the guest he wants for his last show of the year. And yeah. he goes, oh, that's great. And I was like, yeah, I don't get it. Like, we had a huge episode. I know, but I, and I loved it. And I love talking to you. But it's so funny. I feel like I've been in this bubble of the pandemic mm. trying to protect myself and you know my family <laughs> and I feel like in some ways and I don't know if you feel this way I can't believe we talked in February yeah that was before shit hit the fan. Oh, God, it really is. We were and not talking about COVID or no, anything no, related to that. No, we weren't. But the thing is, is it's like, I don't even know what I've done since February. Do you? I've been inside a lot. I've been alone a lot because I live alone. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, yeah. it's like, it's so weird. Definitely no social life. I feel like in the summer, yeah. it opened up a little bit, but no parties. No. Right? Like, you get I together with people here I haven't hugged someone since March 13th. Really? Yeah. Like outside of your family. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My family for sure. But. I remember I went on that dry spell of hugs. It was like March 13th. It was yeah. that weekend or whatever. And it was my friend's birthday. And I remember hugging her. And then, yeah, I think I went like into the summer. Yeah. Without oh, you a hug. hugged in the summer? I did. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> I was <laughs> breaking the rules. Well, wait I guess. a minute here. <laughs> you talked to Bon Bon. Maybe she would be uh, upset with that. I don't know. I don't know. I talked to her way back in March. So again, yeah. it's like so much has changed and yet so much has stayed the same. Yeah. Well, you look good. You're in a 
fancy dress? Well, I put mascara on for you. <laughs> I, I dressed up. I listen. I don't get out of the house much, so I felt kind of. I felt kind of fancy. You never know what to expect in a pandemic. Like you could have rolled out of bed in your pajamas, and I, I thought have, about it. I wouldn't have thought. I wouldn't have, you know, <laughs> looked at you any differently. I'd be like, yeah, it's 2020, whatever. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but anyways, it's really good to see you. I'm happy to be here, six feet apart from you. Yes, thank you so much for being here. I have to be honest. Mm. If someone told me like two years ago that I would be asked to run for political office mm. and that I would actually be consulting with Canadian icon Tamara Taggart <laughs> about my decision, I would have asked them, like, what are you smoking? Like, where? how yeah. is that even possible? Well, But if, that's what happened this year. Yeah, well, if, uh, you know, two years ago, you would have said to me that uh, I would have run in the federal election and lost, I wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> right? So. Sure. Strange times. Strange times. What did I say to you when you, I'm trying to remember what I said to you. I actually have it written down. Oh God, of course you so- do. <laughs> of course you do. I got to do the research. Oh yeah. So I told you about this opportunity and from the jump, I was not super keen about it. Mm-hmm. I did obviously have a little meeting and I wanted to learn more about it. But just my gut was saying, you know, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. And when I texted you about it, your, your <laughs> quote, and this was like in all caps, learn from my mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about it. Yeah. What did you mean? What did you mean by learn from well, my mistakes? You know, I, I still think about it often. Not every day, but I think about what would I do differently? What do I wish I would have known I wish I would have asked more questions. Mm. And by that, I mean, you know, I didn't know how to run a campaign. So I didn't know the inside, you know, workings of a a campaign. I didn't know, you know, how much money you had to have in your bank account, Mm -hmm. like your campaign bank account to run a campaign successfully. I didn't know how many volunteers you needed. I didn't know, you know, I didn't know what signs costed, what a campaign manager cost, anything. So I wish I would have asked more questions because I said yes, um, and I felt like I had an enormous amount of support, Mm -hmm. but I think it's important to not confuse support with excitement, Mm. and I think there was more excitement around me running than there was support. Yeah. So there was like an intensity, but yeah, not the Yeah, it was volume. like, oh, you'd be so great on this team and da-da-da-da-da. And yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. And I, yeah, I mean, I didn't say yes right away. I really thought about it. Uh, but When you ran last year, what was the lead time from you oh, deciding to run? Oh, it was long. It was long. But the thing is, is we had nothing. That's the thing that when I said yes, I mm-hmm. thought, okay, well, I, I have this great support from the party around me. Yeah. Um, but that did not happen, right? So it's like, okay, yes, I said yes. And then it was like, okay, you know, and then you're sort of told what to do in a way that, but there was, was no- Was it like a year in advance though? Yeah, it was about a year. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that my nomination was in March. Okay. Yeah, my nomination was in March and then uh, the uh, the election was in October, obviously. Yeah. And so, you know, there's quite a bit of time in there. Uh, you know, I wasn't working. Yeah. I couldn't get a job once I said yes. Like, yeah. nobody was going to hire me. And um, and so I was, you know, using my savings and my mm. severance. <laughs> 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 and, um, and, you know, and it was a hard adjustment for me because you have to remember, I have had a paycheck 
every two weeks my entire life since I had my first job when I was 15, you know? And so besides babysitting. So I was, I've always been used to, you know, and so working this idea of working from home or working, uh, you know, for yourself sort of thing or running a campaign, any of these things, they were all new to me. Yeah. And, um, and so uh, I mean, you know, I spent a lot of my own money and there was no money in the campaign bank account. Right. (laughs) So we needed to raise about $140,000. Yeah. There was $4,000 in the bank account. Wow. So when, you know, when I am running against somebody who's well-established, who has, you know, who trades lists with their provincial party, mm-hmm. who has a whole provincial party behind them, who has, um, you know, every union member behind them. <laughs> I, I mean, I was, you know, I had my rose-colored glasses on, and I really like having rose-colored glasses. Yeah, me I too. really do. It's and a good way to live. It, um, you know, they were off. Uh, they, they they were basically you know bitch slapped off my face right from the get go, and then it was like whoa what whoa, and it was an onslaught, and so that's what I meant by that. Learn from my mistakes. Yeah, you know how much money is in the account? How much are you going to help me? How many volunteers can you send me? Uh, what about signs? And what about this? And who will help me door knock? And I was just thinking for you, like how do you campaign as a new person yeah. in a pandemic? Yeah. That is tough. And you provided me and armed me with a lot of questions that I ended up asking at the end of the day. And like I said, it was I was always leaning no. Mm-hmm. And then I'm glad I had that meeting. I got to learn a lot. Like just in a couple of hours, mm-hmm. I learned a ton of how, at least from a bird's eye view, how a campaign is run. Yeah. And it's like, it's hard work. And you need, I think, I was told to run successfully, you need a year to 18 months lead time, especially when you're starting with nothing. Mm-hmm. And you have to build out that team and you have to find volunteers. And again, it's volunteers, right? So people can drop All off the volunteers. map. Yeah. And, and they don't owe you anything. Exactly. <laughs> right? The other thing I learned, and listen, I had the most incredible volunteers. Like, I, like, unbelievable volunteers. Shout them out. Shout, shout out a couple Well, of I mean, there are too many to tell you about, and okay. I'm not kidding, right? Like, <laughs> like, just really wonderful people that I will always have a connection with. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the, you know, there's always these people in your life that say, yeah, I'll help you, I'll help you, I'll help you. And then guess what? They actually don't. Yeah, when because push comes to shove. everybody's busy. Yeah. You know, and everybody's got something going on. And the other thing is, is this, the second you say you want to run for a party, uh, 50% of people hate you yeah. immediately. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's shocking. That's that's hard. That's hard for somebody like me who goes through life wanting everyone to like them. Yeah. You know, I mean, it. that was very difficult for me. It was so funny because... In one of my first episodes, I had Kennedy Stewart on. He was running for mayor. And he sort of told me the same thing. He was like, you know, when, when I was a professor, everyone loved me. All my students loved me. The community loved me. All this stuff. Suddenly you run, you know, and God forbid you win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Suddenly everyone turns on you, right? And it's a different feel then when, when, once you're actually in office. I mean, even just running, I think, yeah, you get people turning on you. Why would you run for that party? 
I used to like you. Why would you yeah. be with those guys? I really <laughs> noticed my Twitter take a turn for the dark side after yeah. I said like that. And it has not switched back. Like when I was in news and I was tweeting and, and you know, granted, I was very careful about what I tweeted because I mm-hmm. was representing, you know, a, a company. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I never had psychotic <laughs> disgusting <laughs> horrific yeah. comments like I did when I decided to run and the thing is is uh, what I found so funny about it you know when you're a news anchor you don't tell people who you vote for I never even told my husband who I voted for hmm. and and so I had I I had always voted federally for the NDP mm-hmm. and and then I decided to run against them because I truly I I believed, I really believed, I knew the NDP wasn't going to win federally. And so I really felt like it was a great opportunity for our area to have a voice at the table. Yeah. And that's, you know, sure, my rose-colored glasses. I thought that was a good pitch, though. But that's how I really, truly felt, yeah. right? And so, um, but the second I did, I mean, I could write, I could publish a coffee table book of some of the tweets that I've received. And they are, I mean, I can't tell you how many of them have the C word in them. Like, it's just, right. it's unbelievable. And it's like, wow, what did I, I'm still the same person. Yeah, You know, I woke up today, still a mom of three, still somebody who's done this and somebody who's done that, still somebody who, you know, wants good for the world. But yeah, it's very it interesting. people riled up. Well, but the other thing is too, right? You you can't control what the leader of your party does. So True, it's like, yeah. you know, if you decided to run and then, you know, the premier did something that, you know, reflected badly on him, it actually ends up reflecting badly on you, even though you have nothing to yeah, do with it. Guilt by association, yeah, for sure. Exactly. So that was one of the biggest things for me because and like I said, very clear, never gave any indication that I would ever run. But, you know, I, I like my day job, I like my media gig. The first thing is now you're tarred with that scarlet letter. Yeah. Right. So my media stuff would be over if I yeah. decided to do yeah. it. I mean, I could do it, but it would always be with yeah. an asterisk and oh, he's yeah. this yeah. partisan person, whatever. But the biggest thing for me was you join this team and there's that party discipline, right? <laughs> yeah. And so even if I agree, even if I agree 80 to 90% yeah. of what the party believes in, there might be 10% or the remainder or whatever that I disagree with, and maybe I really strongly disagree with it, but now I can't say anything. And even if my community disagrees with it, you know, I'm now forced to sell them this other idea Mm -hmm. that I don't even believe in. Mm -hmm. And so that was one of the, just philosophically, and and probably why I would never run, is just losing that freedom to be able Mm -hmm. to voice an opinion, Mm -hmm. right? Like people people can say that, oh, I'm, I'm aligned with this party or that party. I give out my opinions freely. Like, no one's telling me what to say. Yeah. No one's telling me what, to, what I can't say. Mm-hmm. And it's really nice when you have a platform and you're able to do that. And so to lose that mm-hmm. and now be directed, like, here's yeah. the policies that we believe oh, yeah. in. And here's what you have to say in public. That's it's, a deal breaker. It's not good times. Yeah. It's not. For sure. I totally agree. I also don't, I don't like how politics now has become this it's black or white you either agree with this or you don't there's no gray area right like there's yeah. and it's like if the if the bc liberals think this then the ndp is going to think the opposite <laughs> and the greens are going to even think the more opposite you yeah. know and it's like why does it have to be like that like why 
why do you have why do we have to go in the complete opposite direction? We would be so much better if we could just agree on the basic things. Yeah. You know, the basic basic things that we all know is for the betterment of everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And we saw some of that this year, at least provincially, with everyone being on board with like whatever mm-hmm. Dr. Bonnie says, mm-hmm. we're doing it. Public health, we're not going to yep. debate and discuss. And there were things arguably you could debate, but I still think that in a pandemic situation, in the situation we were in, it's better to defer to experts and experts are going to be totally. disagreeing on what's right and, and what's wrong on little issues. But, you know, I was asked this question on the radio and they said, what would you rate Dr. Henry's performance? And I know that there are knocks on her and there's things she could have done differently, but I still said a plus I said in that moment at that time, I, hmm. I still think mm-hmm. she was doing the best job she could and some of it worked out great and and some of it maybe in retrospect she could have done differently but i mean somebody like um dr henry is getting new information exactly every hour yeah not every day every hour yeah it, things are changing everywhere mm-hmm. around the world for people that are experiencing this pandemic and on a different timeline than us and people that you know are doing different things at uh, different countries and cities and so and the other problem we have is you know she she could you imagine if she was reading Twitter? <laughs> could you imagine? She I has mean, a Twitter account, but it's like clearly not active. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because A, she doesn't have time. Yeah. And B, it's like, you know, what is everybody an epidemiologist now? Exactly. It's so yeah, stupid. It's, it's just ridiculous. It's like, do what she says. She's telling you to stay home. So guess what? Stay home if you can. Yeah. You know, it's pretty easy. It's even the thing with the mandatory masks. And mm. I, you know, I went on the radio and I advocated for masks should be mandatory. I don't fault Dr. Henry for maybe delaying that decision because she was right. She said that when this is going to happen, there's going to be other issues that come up. And as soon as we started mandating masks in BC, you started to see people fighting in stores, right? Like people would get mm-hmm. mad at each other and, mm-hmm. and the anti-maskers really came out and, you know, they took everything into consideration mm-hmm. in all their decisions mm-hmm. they made. And again, it's easy to judge in retrospect, but I feel like at least that non-political arm was doing a great job. And it was nice to see the parties all in line. And they're still relatively and, well, all in and line. And so they should be. Yeah. She's a scientist who has been through (laughs) numerous pandemics. She's been through numerous, you know, she knows viruses better than just about anybody. You know, like the woman is incredibly smart. She's doing a great job. And, uh, you know, and and you mentioned anti-maskers. I don't have time for anyone (laughs) that doesn't believe in science when it comes to this. You know, anti-vaxxers, anti-maskers, anti-whatever. It's just like, I just don't have time. I don't have time for that. They're there. They're loud. Well, they're not loud. They're only loud if we let them be loud. You know, like. What do you think we should do with the protesters then? Uh, the protesters that are protesting in the street and all that. Yeah. I mean, what do you, what do I think we should do with them? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I can't answer that, but I don't know if they need to get as much attention. Like, what is what is us, you know, interviewing them or mm. talking to them or giving them a platform? What? How does that help the greater good of people? It doesn't, right? It just it makes me angry. Yeah. It makes other people angry. I mean, these people. But when are, the city is is 
blocking off streets so that they can go in there protest, yeah. right? Like, well, I mean, it, I don't you can't know. ignore it. There's that argument that you yeah. can't really ignore them. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I just, I just know I don't they... have time for them. <laughs> it's like, you know, are they, none of them going to get vaccines? Like, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, you know, I just, I just, I don't even like acknowledging people who, um, don't believe in science. This is a pandemic. It's a worldwide pandemic. This is historic what is happening. And, you know, my kids are going to remember it for the rest of their mm-hmm. lives. Um, and I, you know, I don't, I can't add that that mental garbage onto, you know, my my mental health. You yeah. know, like that is just emotional garbage to me. I'm starting to see through the pandemic a lot of hate being directed at media people too, mm. right? Like they're people are gonna yell fake news at them yeah. or they're why the same you? people. Yeah. Yeah. They're actually the same people, which is why I have no time for them. I don't have time like Journalism is so vital to our democracy. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that people understand how valuable local news is. Yeah. It it is so valuable to a healthy community and a healthy democracy. So and I think that people have become confused as to what news is. People think that when they open up their social media and they see an influencer talking about, you know, vaccines or something, that that is news. That's not Mm. news. You know, news is, we provide amazing news and this, uh, you know, the mainstream media and this and that. And it's like, it's like, what are you talking about? And I mean, I can say this because I have family members who feel the same way as many of these anti Oh, really? Okay. Oh, yes, I do. And so, so you're glad that you're missing out on Christmas dinner <laughs> this yes, year. I'm happy to be staying home. Uh, and so, you know, I, and listen, it, it's, it's been, it, it has caused a lot of animosity in, yeah, in the family, right? Because strong, strong opinions prevail uh, when on both sides. Sure. And so it's hard, but it's like I I when I hear people say fake news and when I hear people say mainstream media, as soon as somebody says mainstream media to me, <laughs> I'm out. Like I'm gone. I'm out. I've checked out. I'm moving on. Because I value news and I value local news mm-hmm. and I think that we would all be better if we all just read a newspaper one day yeah. or every day or listen to the radio news or watched your television news. Yeah. You know, we would we would be a lot better instead of have, forming these opinions from a bunch of So you've been on both sides. You've been this big media star, you've been this star candidate in politics. What's it like in terms of the backlash that you get? Cuz we've sort of talked about the backlash you get when you're in politics. We've kind of touched on some of the stuff that you get when you're in media now. Mm. Is it the same? Is No, it, I mean, my experience was very different. I can only speak for my experience, but I will say that when I was in media uh, and I first started uh, and any complaints I got were all about my looks. Right. Uh, it was, you know, my hair was, you know, not the right hairstyle for me or, uh, you know, uh, the top didn't I was wearing didn't look good on me. It wasn't flattering. Uh, you know, people get very concerned over how women look on television, mm. uh, you know, that they're wearing something that they don't think is flattering. And, you know, it's funny because I even had bosses talk to me about what I was wearing. And I was 
a fairly conservative dresser <laughs> on air. You know, I never wore anything wild and crazy, not sure. even when I did the weather. Yeah. I had one boss that um, suggested that I shorten my skirt. Mm. Um, I, you know, I would have another boss come in, uh, you know, wearing puka shells telling me that they didn't like my top. And it's like, really? Like, I'm going to take you seriously? You're wearing puka shells. Like, are you serious? You're going to talk to me about this top I bought, and which is black and white and pretty nice? I guess I mean from the public, when you're like the response you get from the public. Well, listen, I, I will say in media, the response you get from your colleagues, mm. whether they're at your station or other stations, is far worse than anything a viewer could ever say to you. Hmm. So there's that. That right. goes in a different box, right? Yeah. And like, I want to get into that a little later. That goes into a very different box. Yeah. Viewers are always, you know, my philosophy on that was always, you know, if somebody could take the time, you know, in 2008 mm -hmm. to go to their computer, figure out how to email me at the station, right. all to tell me that they didn't like they don't like the way I say my S's. <laughs> they can go pound sand. Like, I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care. If you, yeah. like, really, like, change the channel, bud. Yeah. Like, that's all you have to do. If my S's bother you that much, just change the channel. Go watch somebody else do the weather. Yeah. In politics, it's different because you become a target for everybody's, uh, anger towards government. Mm. And there are a lot of people that are angry at the world and they blame government for everything. Yeah. And, you know, government should take the blame for a lot of things. Sure. You know, like, <laughs> you know, a lot of things have been messed up. And so I understand that. But when, you know, it's amazing to watch conversations happen about you by people that have no idea who you are or what you stand for. Because mm -hmm. I would get, you know, uh, tweets and messages from people that I knew were trolls from the conservative side right. for sure. And, you know, and, and, you know, the way the NDP uh, would do things is, you know, not very nice either. Right. I'm not saying that the way the liberals did things were nice either. Cause mm -hmm. I, they're all the same. Yeah. <laughs> they all act the same, you know? So, I mean, it's, it was definitely nastier for me. But I think that I wasn't prepared for it. Hmm. I, and it goes back to, I'm one of those people that likes everybody to like me. Sure. And the older I get, the less I care about that. <laughs> but, you know, I still have that. Yeah, of course. That's a personality trait that I just have. And I think a lot of people have that. Yeah. I have to ask you, are you going to run for the BC Liberal leadership? Because no. I saw your name oh, floated God. by I Richard I saw my Zussman. name too, and I was like, <laughs> are you any party that has, uh, uh, you know, two, uh, two MLAs who show up on the steps to to speak out against a woman's right to choose is not a party for me. Sure. <laughs> like, uh, the, the BC Liberals are conservatives. Yeah. As oh, yeah. far as I can tell. And no, I no, I am very firm in uh, in my beliefs, in, in what I think um, are human rights. And uh, if there is a party that doesn't support that, then I, I won't even, I have no time. Why do you think your name was floated out I there? I don't know, because they were, I don't know. 
I have no idea. I don't even know where it came from. I can't remember. I think it was you that maybe texted me that or somebody, somebody I know texted me and went, whoa. And I was just like, I was what? upset because I'm like, you didn't tell me. Oh, God. We've had all these political no. conversations and you're not I even would tell you, keeping me and, in the loop. And if I told you I was running for the BC liberal leadership and you didn't smack me across the head, I would be very disappointed. No, absolutely not. Are you kidding me? So there were no overtures made, no one approached no. you. No. This was just pulled no. out of the air. When I first left, when I first um so it was the day after Mike and I had been let go, uh, I was in my doctor's office because I didn't sleep the night before. And I may have told you this before. I hadn't slept before. Uh, the night before. And now, was it because I was so drunk after we got let go that Mike and I day dr- drank until like all hours of the night <laughs> and I had a hangover? Or was it because I was devastated? Uh, I went, of both, probably. It was probably both. Yeah. But I was in my doctor's office because I, I phoned and I said, I need to, you know, come and see you. And so I'm waiting in the doctor's office. I'm just destroyed right like I'm trying to I'm shocked I'm destroyed I'm so sad I'm and my phone rings and I I hadn't really been answering it and I looked and I I I don't know why I answered it but I did (laughs) and it was Andrew Wilkinson really yeah what? <laughs> I've never, obviously, I've never told you that before. No. <laughs> I don't know if I've told anybody that. But anyway, so, yeah. And I said, hello. <laughs> and, you know, and I, I mean, I'd met him once before. And he said that he, he, he said it might be too soon, but I was hoping that we could meet and talk. And, wow. you know, and I was just like, yeah, I'm in my doctor's office right now. I'm like, you know. I'm in, I'm not in good space right now. Maybe call me in a few weeks. <laughs> like, was there I'm, any follow up after that? There was, yeah, but I never I never got together. I knew that uh, I knew like once I had some space to you know deal with the shock. Yeah, uh, and then when it came up again, I was just like, it's you know, I I don't I I can't meet. Do they, I guess not officially, but did they say like, hey, we want you to run for us? Or? I think they wanted to talk. Well, I know they wanted to talk to me about oh, okay. it. Okay, so you I didn't wasn't. even get to that stage. Uh, no, where I didn't, I didn't even, uh, I didn't take the meeting. Wow. Mm-hmm. You would have been running against two, Adrian Dix? I don't know. And I don't care because it would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been doing anything because I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. And that's why it's so funny that then, you know, a year later, I did say yes to the federal liberals. Right. Not the same party at all. Sure. Yeah. You know, whereas I, there are a lot of people that think it's the same party. <laughs> Trust me. There are a lot of people that think the vaccine is full of nanochips that have 5G this is true. waves going to a yes, mothership. Yes, so. exactly. So I don't like getting too meta on the podcast, but it's the last episode of the year. We're you can do get whatever you meta. want. It's your podcast. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> do you remember being in here last time? I know it was forever ago. Uh, yeah, I remember b- being in before here. Before time. Yes, I do remember. <laughs> so I remember we did the podcast. I remember walking away thinking like, oh man, that was an amazing podcast. Like I remember it just had a roller coaster of emotions. I think within five minutes, we were both kind of teary-eyed because I got very heavy at the start. We got fired up. We had a real chat. And I still say to this day that that was a perfect episode for me just because I mm. felt like it was a real textured conversation. Mm -hmm. I felt like you wore it on your heart. And those are the types of podcasts that I like doing where I'm able to chat like that with someone. And I remember walking away from that 
And then, you know, the podcast comes out and then the Vancouver Sun article, mm. this feature mm-hmm. about our podcast together is printed and it, it comes out online. And I remember that afternoon very vividly. I got a, uh, I got a text from my friend Tina who was like, holy shit, the Vancouver Sun just did a big article right. on you. And then immediately after that, I get a text from the mayor of Port Coquitlam, Brad West. Holy shit, the Vancouver Sun <laughs> just did a big article on you. And and it blew up. And, you know, obviously it's been a long year, but like, and I felt really good about that podcast. But do you remember like that excitement that was created and that I buzz did, that was created around that? Yeah, I do. I mean, we talked a lot about, we I, we did we did talk a lot about emotional things and you know it's interesting uh, about being a woman mm-hmm. in in broadcast and you could you could draw a straight line and say the same thing about a woman in politics sure for sure you could draw straight lines to many different uh, career choices uh, <laughs> for women, right? And we have a long way to go. And when I think about our conversation from February, and then the van, I was shocked to see that the sun, right? <laughs> and I, I thought it was interesting because, you know, I never heard from anybody in media about that conversation or that article. You did. I know you did. Yeah. Yeah. And I th- because people are too scared, right? But even like, after the fact they no. wouldn't come to you and Mm-mm. say something. No. I mean I think that it, listen, I don't need to hear from people to know that it struck a chord, right? I yeah. know it did, right? It because it's true. Yeah. It's all true. But everybody's always so scared. You know, we especially women and 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 I mean that in the most respectful way. Mm-hmm. We fear losing our jobs. We fear being, uh, you know, um, called out for doing something that mm-hmm. you know isn't on maybe you know in agreement with our bosses or whatever it might be. But the difference between uh, uh, I think between um, a woman in that in that business and a man is that women are constantly reminded that there are a hundred other women Hmm. that will gladly do their job. Hmm. And so you have this hanging over your head at all times that if I screw up or if I don't do what they say, or if I don't follow all the rules, I'm going to be like canned and like, you know, they'll just, they'll put somebody else in here in right. a heartbeat because there's a hundred people waiting. And it is true. There are a hundred people waiting for your job. Yeah, it's a cutthroat business it's true. for sure. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. But it's that it's that that threat that you know exists. It's never fully said. I mean, it was said to me many times early in my career, but it's something that always stuck with me. Yeah. And so that's why I think we see women so competitive in that business, right? We have been groomed to believe and I and we have been groomed to believe that every other woman is our competition. Full stop. Not your male, not your male colleague. Right. They're not your competition. It's, you know, so-and-so sitting three desks over from you that's, that are, she's waiting for you to be sick. You know what I mean? Like, that is what you are, that is what you are groomed to believe. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, and and um, I don't know what it's like at, at other workplaces. I worked in radio, I worked in TV, and I can tell you for sure that um, most women feel that way. Women are treated uh, like garbage, uh, by some 
bosses and um and and we take it because we know what will happen if we don't right i wish i could be more specific but i don't want to be sued in 2021 <laughs> i'm trying to get through 2021 on a high note there's still a few days left in 2020 right shoot <laughs> I find it fascinating that no one in media reached out to you afterwards after that article came out. Well, what out. were they going to say? I they, have no idea. But they, if, okay, here's the they thing. They reached out to me. I mean, we can I get know, into it I know, but that's different. Bit. Yeah. Because if somebody reaches out to me that still has a job in media, like yeah. let's say it's somebody that I used to work with, and let's say they, they reached out to me and they said, let's say they texted me and said, oh my God, exactly what you said. It's so true. I'm blah, 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 blah. Thank you. Da, 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 da. How do they know? I wouldn't. I'd never reveal a source or anything like mm-hmm. that. But how do they know that I wouldn't take a screenshot of that and then right. you know post it or send it to some? You can't take those chances. Yeah, women have to. I believe that women have to. I've texted you all my secrets, I, but and I would you're never do that, them? right? No, no I, would, I would never do that. <laughs> but my point is, is that we are again. It goes back to that grooming. Yeah, we're we're groomed to protect ourselves at all costs. We can't like share stuff because every woman is your competition mm-hmm. in that business. Uh, and so, even one who's out of the game, even one who's well, how do they know that you know I wouldn't do? I'm I'm not friends with a friend of a friend of a friend mm, of a friend. Gotcha. It's just it's just too risky. So I don't take that as a oh they didn't agree with me. I I I really do feel like they agree with me. I just take it as a they have to do what they have to do to survive. Yeah. And I I respect that and I appreciate it, and um and. I, I know that I know that it is not a happy place to be in media right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're working harder than ever, harder than they've ever worked. Yeah. There's less people working and um and they're being asked to do more, mm-hmm. yet they still have all of those fears inside of them too. So it's it's, you know, when you talk about uh, you know, mental health and all those things, like it's extreme. So when people do lash out at the media, I'm pretty happy when I see somebody in the media, you know, fight back mm-hmm. because they shouldn't have to take that kind of garbage yeah. from uh, a bunch of people that are hiding behind, you know, some weird name on Twitter <laughs> and no photos, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so, I mean, it's, it's a hard space to be in, but I don't, I mean, I can say so, I can only say so much. My opinions are my opinions and they're from my experience, but, you know, I'm not going to call out names or anything like that. Uh, you could if you wanted well, to. Well, I could, but I don't want to get in trouble. That's the only thing that's holding me back. No, I, I respect that. <laughs> so that episode comes out. I'm not going to name any names, obviously. Yep. And and to be honest, when uh, when a lot of episodes come out, I get a lot of feedback from a lot of people. Yeah. And some people are in media, some people are in politics, some people are just fans of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And what I will say is when that episode with you blew up, I heard from a handful of young women in media, across different outlets, and even different mediums, right? So radio, print, mm-hmm. TV, whatever. Mm-hmm. And they all said, Tamara is 100% right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not that I was surprised by that, but I think I was taken aback by just how much of a nerve you struck, mm. right? Like, Well, I feel for those women that reached out for you because I was those women. And, mm-hmm. and when you were in it, you can't see it. Because you are living it 
and breathing it and surviving it. Yeah. And um, and so I remember you telling me that, and it and I, you know, I. I mean, I wasn't happy about it because I wish I was wrong about it. Right. I wish that's not how it was. Uh, but it made me realize, oh, wow, if you've got young women reaching out to you saying, that says to me that things haven't changed. I can only imagine that they've actually gotten worse and it's gotten more competitive hmm. because... Um, Just because the pie is shrinking, there's well, less jobs. Y- there's less jobs and they're having people do more work, yeah. way more work. Yet, you know, uh, management is sitting, you know... At home, probably working from home, and you know, I oh god, I have to watch myself. (laughs) 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 Thank god, I've only had a couple of sips of wine. (laughs) Was this your ploy to get me to bring wine? You brought the wine, you told me to. How dare you! (laughs) I made a suggestion, yes, if you wanted to drink, I know what you're trying to do. You were telling me about a blog article about you when you yeah when you shifted from weather person to anchor mm, yes so yeah it's funny because yeah I've spent a lot of this time at home mm-hmm. uh, going through things you know organizing filing uh, getting rid of stuff deep cleaning the whole shebang. Uh, Almost everybody I know is doing the same thing that's stuck at home, right? It's like, what can I clean today? I've seen your Instagram stories with yes. the oven and oh, yeah. quite a few things. No, I haven't yeah. done the oven yet. The dishwasher. The dishwasher. That's it. <laughs> so, yeah, I found I found a file called um, miscellaneous. I love those files. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, what's it? what do I have in here? And, I, and uh, I had printed it off. And so when I was hired, when I was doing weather, I did the weather for 10 years. And then uh, I was asked to anchor the six o'clock news with Mike Colleen. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, actually, I should, I should rephrase that. That's not true. I was asked to um, co-anchor the six o'clock news. And then Mike was asked to anchor the news with me. So let, oh. let, let me rephrase that. Okay. It was me first. <laughs> let me give me my own dues. Um, but, you know, and I say that because it, it was a big deal and it was scary and it was, uh, you know, imposter syndrome had like came raging in and I didn't even know what that was, uh, you know, like, and so... When it was announced, then the barrage of um, opinions came out. Right. And and I will say that it was a very different time, right? It was 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, you know, Twitter wasn't as, you know, it wasn't a massive deal. People weren't like they were now. Um, all that sort of stuff. And somebody in media, a woman, uh, decided to write a blog on the station, she works for their website. Okay. And um, it was basically her very strong opinion as to why I didn't deserve the job, why, um, how I was 
I mean, it basically said that I was I was hired because uh, of my looks or my hmm. popularity. Uh, that I, you know, I wouldn't know how to pronounce any any names, and and did I even know what WikiLeaks was? And uh, you huh. know, all these things, right? Like, I mean, if I read it out to you, it, it's painful for me to read even today. So I had printed it out, and I'm glad I printed it out. Uh, I never read it at the time. I read it years later when I was stronger and had a thicker skin. <laughs> but I also, you know, I printed off all the comments too. Yeah. And I found it a few weeks ago. And I thought, oh, God. And here's this person who, you know, that's what... So when I say that that women are horrible to each other, I say that from experience. And if you think I'm sitting here and telling you that, oh, other women have only been horrible to me and I've never been horrible to another woman, that mm -hmm. is not true. Of course I have. Mm -hmm. We all do it to each other because we think that's how we have to be. We've been told in some very weird, passive-aggressive way, uh, and that's why I use the word groomed, We to believe that we should hate each other right. because, you know, oh, she got the job because she's pretty, not because she's smart, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, that makes me feel better. Actually, no, that makes me feel angry. Oh, what kind of, you know? And so when I, you know, I'm, I'm glad I printed it off. It, it It's a really horrible... Um, and is this person still in media? Yes, they have their own... Uh, show. Um, yes. And, and you're um, not going to say who? Uh, no, because it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter who it is. The The person who wrote it doesn't like me. They never have. And uh, they they also made a point of saying in the blog that they weren't, this wasn't a diss against Tamara. It's like, uh, <laughs> really? Then, what is Sounds it? like a diss. <laughs> I don't want to work in TV. I've never wanted to work in TV or whatever. I don't, I will never go back there. That's not true because after that blog, they did go and work in TV for a few years. Oh, interesting. Okay. So it's all, it's all garbage, right? It's all, it all feeds back into this idea that we can't lift each other up as women in mm -hmm. media. And that's my only experience that and politics. Uh, but my media experience is 22 years. And yeah. I can tell you from the day I started in 91 until the day it ended in 2018, um, that was my experience. And in order to survive, you end up doing it yourself. Yeah. And so I've really had to reflect back on when I was the jerk. And I've gone back and I've apologized to people. Really? And yes, of course. Hmm. Of course I have. And it's one of the first things I did in when, my reflection. What kind of response do you get when you go back to someone well, and you say, know what? Hey, I did this? I, I'll give you one example. There is somebody who is uh, on air on TV. And um, when they first started, uh, we we were we were great. Mm -hmm. We were awesome. And, um, and, and I was told many times by somebody in a higher position than I had sure. that um, this person didn't like me and this person wanted my job and this person, you know, hated me and this person was jealous of me and this person was, and it's all the same person, right? So then I, I felt like, oh my gosh, she's, she, she's, wants me to fail and she wants my job and right. she wants, you know, all of these things that are mine that I've worked <laughs> for, you know? And so then I started to not like her. Right. None of it was true. 
None of it was true. But for years, I thought it was. And guess what? She was being told the same things about me. So when it all ended, I try, I reached out to this person many times. And we finally met. We finally met for lunch. And um, we sat down across the table from each other. And I said, why do we hate each other? <laughs> and wow. she looked at me and she said, I don't know. Hmm. And I said, well, I'll tell you what I know about you. Hmm. You don't like me because of this, 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 and this. She said, that's not true. She goes, here's what I know about you. You don't like me because of this, 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 and this. And I said, that's not true. And once we were able to communicate and be transparent and honest and open and cry and like be angry, we're friends now. Mm -hmm. And, And I feel so awful that I was tricked or managed into believing all of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's not true. And so when I look back on that blog that this person, uh, this woman wrote, I think to myself, wow, like you were jealous, 100%. Like, I mean, anybody that reads that, I could give it to any psychiatrist <laughs> and they would be like, okay, I can tell you. I'm not even a psychiatrist and I can tell you what's going on in this letter yeah. or blog. But, it, you know, it all points back to that that main theme, right? Like we need to keep the women hating each other. It'll be better for business and it'll, you know, nobody will, as long as they don't talk to each other and figure this out. So is the idea that management, like you would be more likely to listen to management or do what they say if you have that insecurity that there's oh my people. god yes of course I'm just trying to think of the motive behind creating my all this very drama. first job my very first job was in radio I was uh, it was 1991 I was hired at CFOX it was a million years ago mm-hmm. million years ago I was so excited I couldn't I mean are you kidding me straight out of BCIT and I get a job at CFOX like I mean it was like yeah it was incredible <laughs> right. <laughs> And I was, you know, I was the Fox mascot manager. And okay. that is a very important job when you are 20 years old. Sure. <laughs> it sounds like a cool job. Oh, my God. I have so many stories about the Fox <laughs> mascot. I could write a book on the Fox mascot and the stories there. But, you know, I remember walking for lunch with uh, the whole promotions department and my boss, my program director at the time, who, you know, I I, I still adore him. But he said to me, he goes, hey, uh, I remember I'd, I I had gotten a raise, and he said, "Hey, did you uh, did you like that raise you got?" And I was like, "Oh, yeah!" It, like the raise showed up to be about like fifteen dollars every month on my paycheck. Sure. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, yes, 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 yes. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. May I have another, you know? And it's like, and I remember walking down Nelson Street and he said to me, he said to me, you know, it's like there's a there's hundred other people, Tamara, that would kill for this job that you have. So I'm glad you're happy. Wow. And it never, that, ha- that, that has never left me. Yeah. Because he said it to everybody. You know why? Because it's true. But that's not how you manage people. You yeah. don't manage people by putting fear in them. Yeah. You know, this idea that we're a team, really, you have to really reflect that. And when you go around and you look in the newsrooms, uh, you have to really wonder, and there's some really good news directors out there. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. There's some great ones. Uh, but you you have to wonder, like, what is the morale like in your newsroom? Right. Because that's what's important, right? We talk about mental health. Uh, well, let's make sure that everyone's mental health is is good. 
if you're managing them and asking them to do all these things for you. Yeah. Yeah. What? No, I'm just thinking about your journey. <laughs> I'm thinking about your journey from an outsider's perspective, how you started off as the Sea Fox mascot manager. And at one point in your in your career, mm-hmm. like you were the biggest anchor in the city. I never thought of myself that way. Ever. But I think that's fair to say. There sure, was certainly a time period well, where... Well, there's only, there's only, yeah, it was, uh, I anchored the six o'clock news for seven years, you know? Yeah, that's a long time. And probably time. if you ask someone, you know, who's a local news anchor, yeah, they I mean, said to Mayor Tiger. You know, and, but, so, okay, so what's your point? Oh, no, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> thinking. <laughs> what are you saying? No. <laughs> I'm j- I was You're trying waxing to look at poetic the, right, right. and saying that's quite a, an incredible career. Like you've seen it. Well, from I appreciate the that bottom. because I appreciate <laughs> you know, that. No offense to that mascot job, but you started from the bottom and you were at yeah. the zenith of uh, media uh, in the sure. city. And, and I think that that is a really wonderful, healthy way to look at it. That blog post said different. That blog post right. said that I was a token hire. Right. I've heard that before. I mean, about myself. Yeah, I was For a token a hire. gig at CKW, you know? I've heard that. Yeah, and uh, you know, the uh, uh, somebody in media, a man who uh, is very well respected uh, in this province, uh, said that I w- was a hail mary. Hmm. That's what he told Mike. I was a hail mary, you know. And I, you know, so I mean, it's like, you know. Uh, it's it's really interesting. I I'm glad I've had the time to sort of really think about it because there's so much of me that just you know of course there's parts of me that still really care deeply but then there's other parts of me that I'm able to let go. I'm able to read that blog now and look at it from just more of a you know with an unemotional feeling about it. Right? Yeah. I can look at it and think, oh my god, like can you imagine writing this about somebody else? Like it's pretty bad, you know. And I listen. I print crap off all the time. I'm one of those people that has files of miscellaneous. Sure. I've got all kinds of things in there, you know? Yeah. Did you hear the episode with Jill Crop? I know you wanted me to listen to it. And you sent it to me a few times. And you even gave me the timestamp. <laughs> well, and we brought you up. And I, I thought know, it would be important if listen. you wanted. Okay. I didn't listen. It's it's, And I'm not trying to create drama no, here. There, there are no times drama. when I do try to create drama. Yeah, this yeah, is not yeah, one. Yeah. Again, we, t- we talked about you. It was all public record. Jill did not deny your lived experience, but her position from being a news director, she was saying that, you know what? Yeah, things were really bad, but things have gotten a lot better. Really? Sure. That's what she says? Well, she's management, right? And she, well, she was management and she had uh, different privileges than her employees. Mm. So, I mean, of course she's going to say, what else is she going to say? Give me a break. Like, I mean, honestly, that's just ridiculous. So I, I'm glad she said that my lived experience was, you know, because I think that is the experience of many people. Yeah. Um. Uh, you the know? only reason I, I bring that up is because you actually just now, a little earlier, suggested that things might have actually gotten worse. And so I'm just wondering, like, from okay, what vantage point? Okay, so worse, is- uh, well, I can only, I make that statement on from what I've heard from my friends who were still working in media. Mm. And I think that, you know, 
I'm sure that if you asked other people in management, you know, um, what their newsroom was like, I'm sure they would say it was great. I mean, I'm sure they would. Yeah. You know, of course they would. But I think that the experience of the, you know, and and listen, being an anchor comes with a, a major privilege too, right? So, sure. so and that's something else I experienced too, right? When you are the weather person or you're a reporter or you're a producer or a director or a writer or any of those things, your experience is very different than yeah. that of an anchor, <laughs> you know? And so, um, yeah, you just have more access when you're an anchor. So, you know, moving into that position too. So I saw different things, mm -hmm. you know. So I saw how people spoke about other women. I saw how people spoke about how people were doing their job or who was doing this or who was doing that or, you know. So, I mean, it's, it's, all, it's all relative to what your position is. But the toxicity you feel was consistent throughout. I think so, Yeah. I, I yeah. think so. I listen. I hope I'm wrong. I hope it has changed. I hope there is nothing toxic about working. Sure, in I, these I'm places. asking you your experience but and, yeah, and what I mean, you're hearing. That's how and... my yeah. You know, I I think that I think it's really tough. I think it's tough for anybody in media right now because of what you said earlier. You said you know, people attacking the media and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that when you have you know a president down south who has made it his mission to um, discredit the media yeah. um it doesn't obviously it doesn't help that just made it worse so much worse yeah and um and i hope that we can recover from that because uh, uh the media does a lot of good and i i i wish that they were treated with the respect they deserve not only from the public but from the people who hire and fire them right so it's interesting because we had that podcast in February and, you know, it blew up, as I just said, and it almost set the tone for the rest of the year for me in terms of the podcast. Mm. And what I mean by that is the issue of systemic discrimination kept coming up. Mm. And so sexism and racism. And then obviously I found myself in the middle of this BC mm -hmm. political controversy with, mm -hmm. with Jane Thornthwaite and Bowen Ma. It was a weird theme that, like, yeah, I would say kind of originated from that podcast because, you know, things blew up. And then this was a theme that not just I wanted to talk about on different angles, but guests came to me and said, hey, I want to talk about systemic discrimination, mm -hmm. whether it's racism or mm -hmm. sexism or whatever. And it's good that we're talking about it. And I remember even thinking about the article in the Vancouver Sun, like, oh, this is great. It's shining a light on stuff and people might be talking and I'm hearing from people and but at the end of the day, you know, have we spent the last year and even years before that with the Me Too movement just talking about it yeah. without much changing? It's a very it's a it's a good question. Uh I I think awareness is always great. Yeah. Right? I'm just wondering but if But I think we've the people that, that are are aware <laughs> are already aware, yeah. right? So it's the people who aren't aware of it, who think that it doesn't exist. That's where the problem is. I can't tell you how many times I will post something, you know, in my Instagram stories about whether it be something, it's usually, um, you know, I've, I've, 
I'm trying to understand our systemic racism in Canada. Mm-hmm. And I post a lot about it when I find, uh, you know, somebody who's posting really great information that we can learn from yeah. or we can, um, you know, share and be better. And I can't tell you how many people will respond back and say, this doesn't exist. Right. This isn't true. There's yeah. no, you know, my husband, I, there's this one woman who likes to message me and say, well, my husband is South Asian and he said, and a police officer. And he says, there's no such thing as systemic racism in Canada. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm sorry, but your husband is wrong. Yeah. Like this is not true. And if you haven't, you know, um, experienced racism, then consider yourself, you know, an outlier. Yeah. Because it does exist. Go talk to any Indigenous person Mm -hmm. in this country. Go talk to any person of color in this country. And they will tell you that they have experienced discrimination. Yeah. And uh, and racism. And, And so I... I think we have we have a long way to go, and I hope that I think I think I think we're better than we were in February. I do, mm-hmm. I really do. I I I I do. I hope we are. Yeah, I hope so too. And to be honest, it's one of those things where even if I was aware of the concept of systemic discrimination and I started to see it even a couple of years ago. Mm. There will still be areas of systemic discrimination that Mm. I'm only learning about now, especially with Indigenous folks. And actually through you directly and and through other people that I've seen on Twitter, people with disabilities, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. something that was Mm -hmm. never even on my radar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And not because I'm a bad person or I I don't like people with disabilities, just never thought about it before. Of course. And again, I think the awareness element is the first step. Mm -hmm. It's the right step. We still have a lot. A long way we to have go a long on way that, to go, but I think step. that, yeah. But I just don't want 2020 to be the year where we put up black squares and then just didn't do anything afterwards. <laughs> right. And I mean, yeah, social media is good and it's not so good, right? It's like there's good sides and there's bad sides. It's great for sharing information. It's also bad for sharing information. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I mean, I, you know, when it comes to our uh, disabled community, I think that we have a long, long way to go. Yeah, I would agree. And um, and you say, you know, I, I was just listening to what you said there, and you said, you know, I, I mean, I wasn't aware of it. It's not because I don't care. It's just because I didn't know. And I think that that's part of the problem when it comes to uh, disability, is mm-hmm. that we're not aware of it because we don't see it. Mm-hmm. We choose to not see it. Sure, yeah. And we also shut people away. You know, we have a history of shutting people away that in this country that we don't deem, I don't know, worthy, uh, whether it be residential schools, mm-hmm. you know, or whether it be institutions, you know, um, uh, I, you know, it, it, the downtown east side is a perfect example. Like, you know, let's just like ignore this. Yeah. And look what happens. Right. And so with the pandemic, uh, you know, people with disabilities, 100% uh, are vulnerable to this virus. Yeah. Very much so. Uh, the most vulnerable in the way of health. Mm-hmm. And uh, and when I say disabled, I also mean people living in long-term care homes. Uh, because 
most of those seniors are disabled. But mm-hmm. we don't say that. Right. We don't give it that name. We just say seniors. And it's, you know, a lot of those seniors are in wheelchairs. A lot of those seniors, you know, maybe have numerous uh, health challenges. Mm. You know, they have a disability. So, I, you know, we can't even say the word. <laughs> we can't even say the word. And so, I, we have a long way to go when it comes to that. Yeah. And, you know, you can choose to not see it. But um, we're we're not going to be better for shutting it away. It's like people talking about taking, you know, people in the in the downtown east side and you know putting them in institutions and and forcing them to uh, better, to, yeah. to detox. It's like yeah. have you like that is the most ridiculous thing I have ever heard. You cannot force somebody to do that. How about supply them with things like, oh, I don't know, some money so that they can feed themselves? Mm-hmm. How about not making disabled people uh, apply for money? Yeah. How about just put it in their account? Like, we're, nobody's going to get rich yeah. off a government handout. <laughs> nobody's going to go buy a Cadillac or whatever with a government handout of 300 bucks. Like, yeah. give me a break. And so there's no respect. There's no... Uh, and that's what it says to me, right? I'm not disabled, and I can't speak on behalf of disabled people. I can only look through it, uh, look at it through the lens of a parent, mm-hmm. of a child with a disability. And when I when I look and see how we are treating people with disabilities in a worldwide pandemic, it does not give me any confidence for my son. In yeah. fact, it scares the hell out of me. So I, we have a long way to go. We have a long way to go as a society and how we value other people. Mm-hmm. You know, what we only value people that are perfect. Is that what we do? We only value people that what? Yeah. That fit into this box of who you think is perfect? What is perfect? How is that different than people who think that white people are the best? Right. You know, it's it's all the same. It's all the same garbage. It's discrimination. Yeah. No, you know? absolutely. You know what I mean? So I mean, and it's I you know, we can't keep brushing it under the under the rug. We can't. Yeah. We're going to kill people. We are killing people. You know. And I think that's where especially when we look at government policy, that's where a lot of the conversation has to change because we and it's not just people with disabilities, but mm-hmm. even when we think about teachers or nurses mm-hmm. like you talk about their salaries and like we're always yeah. trying to nickel and dime them and there's this public discourse of how much are they get paid. But then when it comes to huge subsidies for big corporations that are extracting resources that are finite and, you know, they can mm-hmm. make money off that, mm-hmm. we're giving them subsidies no problem. Like mm-hmm. no one's having that debate. But we have this debate about, you know, oh, do we give people uh, with disabilities $150 as a top-up or $300 as a top-up? And it's like... <laughs> I have zero talent. It's disgusting. Yeah. It really, truly is. You, you know, we all have the potential to have a disability mm-hmm. at any moment. And I don't think that people understand that. Yeah, I just wish there was a more of a, a humanization. And I think that goes across the board for any type of... Well, humanization, how can you humanize it when we don't even bring disabled people to the table when it comes to making policies, mm-hmm. deciding what is needed? I mean, you look at something like, uh, you know, Bill C-7. Why are yeah. we not talking to... Why are we listening to a bunch of people talk that don't have a lived experience of right. what 
these amendments could possibly mean to somebody that is disabled with an intellectual disability or a mental health challenge or whatever it might be, right? So it's it's about opening that up and not, you know, when... When you see a bill like that, sorry mm. to interrupt, but when you see a bill like that, does it give you relief that you're not in government right now or does it... Well, I mean, it goes back to what you said about how, you know, oh, I have to agree with this, even though I don't agree with it, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously, when I look at this year, I'm like, well, boy, I dodged a bullet. (laughs) 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 You know, and I... I, Did you ever ever give a talk for We Charity? No. I feel like you'd be one of those people that would be asked. I I, I did go and interview some people, but I never never was involved with that charity. No, No, I wasn't. But, you know, I mean, it's, I just think that we, we need to, we're not good at listening. Yeah. And we're not good at, um, we're not, we're not, we all seem to think that there's only so much of the pie and we and and there's only so many pieces and there's not enough for everybody and that's not true there yeah. is enough for all of us you know and not everybody is trying to scam something yeah and to suggest that somebody would abuse a disability payment is outrageous mm-hmm. when we're talking about a pittance $300 is nothing. Yeah. When, you know, when your CERB is $2,000 a month, and but you have a disability and you're going to get, you know, or when the federal government, $600 a one-time payment. Just the once. <laughs> a one-time payment of $600. Not for everybody who has a disability in Canada. Only for a certain amount of people that have access to this one thing. And it's like, huh. so you just you just cut out like millions of people. Yeah. There's about five, five and a half million people with disabilities in Canada. And only about a million, I think 1.4 million of them got this six, oh, one right? time $600 wow. payment. So, but that goes back to my, that goes back to what I'm trying to say about the conversation at large. Like, yeah. We talk about how people are going to scam these little programs and mm. this becomes this big like moral hazard concern. Yeah, yeah. But then we don't talk about the tax evaders that are literally funneling yeah. billions of dollars out of this country to not pay taxes, right? Like, there's such a bigger fish on the other side that we, do we don't need even to discuss. Talk about, like, do we need to talk <laughs> about the casinos and all that stuff? I mean, really, like, I mean, come on. We're talking about so much money that has yeah. been, you know, f- you're right, funneled everywhere. So why don't we talk about that as like, this is where we're losing money. This is where the government is getting scammed. I'm not in government. I am a housewife. I don't know what you are talking about. You're more than a housewife. Come on. You know, like, I mean, that's, you know, I'm, I'm being serious. It's like, these are the, these are, this is, these are the things that keep me up at night, right? I have a 13 year old boy at home and I watch what's happening and I watch how we are responding as a country, as a province, as a city to the people that are being the hardest hit by this pandemic, the hardest hit, and we are not giving them what they need. Yeah. We are not supporting them. We, we have zero compassion. That's what it looks like to me. Mm-hmm. And zero empathy. It's like, you know, I, I mean, I understand being selfish, you know, I get that, <laughs> but not in a pandemic. Yeah. Like, we, we talk about being kind and calm and all that stuff. Well, think about that. Think about when it was pouring rain the other day 
And I looked outside and all I could think about was how three minutes from my house in the downtown east side, how many people were sleeping outside in this pouring rain? Yeah. How many people were ODing? How many people were, you know, and, and I'm in my cozy home. This is not right. It's not right. It's just not. We're not, we are not as kind as we think we are. We should be pushing government to supporting uh, people with disabilities in this province, and we should be pushing government to do something about the crisis that we have going on in the downtown east side and elsewhere. In Surrey, mm -hmm. it's everywhere. Homelessness is a massive problem in this country. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. I, you know, boy, this got really heavy. <laughs> Just pulling it back a little bit, yeah. like I think when we talk about systemic dis discrimination, mm -hmm. obviously we want to move to that next step and get we want we want action, mm -hmm. but there are still a lot of people that just don't get it, right? Do and, they and not? It, but do they not get it, or do they not care? Those are those are two different things. I mean, and again, getting meta end of the year podcast. I said in May. Mm -hmm that Bowen Ma was being disproportionately picked on. Mm -hmm. It was proven. I didn't know it was going to be proven. Mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm. You know, the tape was sent to me. Yeah. I put it out there. It was proven. It's still happening. I pointed out again. Mm -hmm. I'm a bad guy now. Like, I don't... Well, I don't think you're a bad guy. <laughs> well, I'm sure Bowen doesn't think you're a bad guy. <laughs> well, it's because some people say, oh, you know, you're over-dramatizing it and it's not, you know, it's not Don't that. listen to and those people. No, Why are you listening to those it's people? Not a, it's not about me, though. I'm just saying mm -hmm. that there's That a they don't see it. There's a segment of the population yeah. that still doesn't get it. What segment of the population is it? I mean, dudes mostly. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> so, you know, it's funny. It's, it's, um, if we're being honest. I mean, no, there's, right. there's women in it too, I'm sure, well, right? I'm but, sure. But generally, the feedback you get is from guys that say, oh, this doesn't exist, or, oh, what, it, I can't criticize someone now. And it's like, no, no one said that. It's, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's the pattern of behavior, it's yeah. how you're criticizing someone, it's what you're criticizing mm -hmm. them about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I think, and again, we're just, I'm, I don't have a thesis here, but I'm just yeah. saying, like, as much as I want to move beyond the awareness stage when it comes to systemic yes. discrimination, there are still so many of people course. who don't get it. Of course. I agree. And so how do you convert those guys? Or do you just forget about it and oh, try well, to get the, you know, try to explain it to younger people? Well, I think that that is a massive part of it is education, right? Yeah. And you're, we're, we're not going to change, you know, people's minds that are, you know, have felt this way their entire lives and they're in their, you know, later years in life and this is what they believe. That's not going to change. But I do think that – I do think with um, – you know, uh, teenagers, people in their 20s, people in their 30s, you know, like, I, I do feel like there has been a change. I do feel like it's a different experience. I, I really will say do. one thing this year is you can't be a public figure mm -hmm. and say that systemic discrimination doesn't exist. Like, we have seen people get fired yeah. from their job. We've seen politicians take a lot of heat, mm -hmm. whether they lost their job or not, different story. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But at least that Maybe is a good sign. Yeah, that, like, do you, what do you uh, like? How do you feel about you know this so-called cancel culture? Right? <laughs> like, how do you feel about it? I don't think it's real. I I deny it. I think there are. What do you mean? I think that there are few cases there, and these ones always get pointed out. But there's like a few cases of just regular people who posted the wrong thing online, mm -hmm. or made an inappropriate joke, and now their name is all over Google and their reputation is tarred. And I 
think that that is an overreaction. Right. When it comes to a public figure saying something, either you stand by what you say Mm -hmm. or you admit you made a mistake. Or if it was from years ago, Mm -hmm. you say that you've evolved in your thinking. And, you know, I don't believe in, short of like crimes, I don't believe in trying to get people fired or Mm. having people lose their jobs. But at the same time, if you are a person with a platform, you have to be accountable for what you say. And if what you say pisses people off, Mm -hmm. you can't get mad at that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I... Not that I've ever been, you know, overwhelmed with it, but like I've certainly pissed people off with things that have happened on the podcast. Yeah, but but and it's not being offensive, quote yes. unquote. But I am accountable for that, and I stand by most of what happens on this podcast. Right. And so, if you're going to take a controversial opinion, knowing that people are not going to like it, or even if you don't know, but you, but, but it's you okay to disagree with people. It's okay to disagree. It depends what we're disagreeing about. Well, I mean, I'm talking about a common disagreement, right? I'm talking about, like, you said this, but no, I think about this. And you know what I mean? Like, I feel like is is cancel culture targeting that type of conversation? No, No. it's not. Yeah. And that's, so that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about somebody who, say somebody who does something, um, you know, 15 years ago and it comes up today. Should that person be, lose their job? Depends what it is. Okay. See, there's so many. But if it's depends. criminal, like if it's like murder, well, criminal is different. <laughs> you no, know? I think if they said something, if I mean the culture has changed, right? Yeah. I like know. you think about, um, I don't know if you're a big comedy fan, but Eddie Murphy in the '80s. I, I yes. mean, I'm watching it as an adult. Well, and I'm like, holy shit! Oh, are you shit. talking about like? Eddie Eddie Murphy. Well, I mean, I grew th- up tra- on that stuff. Well, yeah. yeah, I'm talking about a stand-up. Yeah, I grew up on like, that. Or even movies from the yeah. 80s where like... Oh my God, have you listened <laughs> to music from the 80s? Have you listened to like like hair bands from the 80s <laughs> sure. and some of the songs? Yeah. They are all illegal, those songs. They are talking about illegal things to women. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it's so bad. Yeah. You know? So I think it's... I think, you know, again, it depends on the circumstance Mm -hmm. and it depends what it is. But I think there is, it is fair to say, you know what, the culture evolved, I evolved, Mm -hmm. things change. I do too. So I I don't like when you bring up something from 15 years ago. That's kind of weird. Again, unless it's like really terrible. And terrible, I mean, criminal. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. I just find it all so fascinating, right? And how we've all, we've just changed. But like the Aaron O'Toole stuff, like, I don't know if you saw this, but, you know, the comments he made about residential schools. I did. I'm not one to say, I mean, I'm almost one to say he should resign, but I haven't said it. I haven't publicly said that. It's pretty awful. It's terrible. And he should face consequences for spreading that message. But not only is it terrible, it's, it's, it's evil. Like, yeah. To me, that is evil. Yeah. You know, and and the the setting in which it was said, and the things that were said, and the and the topic, and the, you know, it's just, and he knows better. Yeah. You know, and so it's just really disappointing, and it goes back to this idea that. You but know, do you think he should be canceled? I don't know. I just I, I don't know how anybody could vote for somebody like that. That's the way I look at it, yeah. right? It's like we get a choice in an election, right? We're so fortunate that we get to choose who we want to vote for. And so I think that you have to look at all of these things and and go like who are you? 
Like, who are you as a person? And I'm so tired. I don't know about you, but I'm so tired of hearing people argue just for the sake of arguing. (laughs) Okay, well, you're going to say blue. So I'm saying, I'm saying orange. I don't care. I'm just, I'm going to say orange because he said blue. So, you know, it's like, I just, God, we'd be so much more efficient if we could just, you know, argue about the important things. Yeah. Debate the important things. Yeah. You know, not lie. And not um, not fabricate things, and not and try not, to win, like and not trying and, to always win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I yeah. don't mind if someone comes in there with a different viewpoint, and yes. we can go back and forth, and I can learn. Same, same. Like that's cool to me, but I'm not trying to win an argument over yeah. someone. And it's really annoying when someone's like clearly trying to press their view on yeah. me. I agree. I agree. Yeah, like I love uh, a conversation where we can, you know, disagree yet learn. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. You know, and I or I can hear somebody else's opinion on something and go, "Oh my gosh, I never looked at it that way." Yes. Okay, I get that. Oh, I mean, when I heard Aaron O'Toole speak, I ne- I didn't think any of those things. I just I I listened with I was horrified. Yeah. Horrified. Cuz it was so factually wrong everything and so about morally it wrong just, it and then the so, audience he was speaking to so and the terrible. fact that they enjoyed it like i saw a lot of that bad. when i was running just this these these fights about just you know with other you, you'd meet other you know campaigns along the way right and mm-hmm. it was just really you know some aggressive stuff it's it's yeah it's a different world for sure Setting all that aside, yeah. I want to I want to talk to you about you. Mm-hmm. Weird year, mm-hmm. different year. When we look at the pandemic, has it changed you at all? Has it made you look at things differently? Yeah, for sure. I'm a different person. I think I um, I didn't realize how much I missed with my kids, and I didn't realize. How, you know, for my kids' entire life, all three of them, I was never home for dinner. Hmm. I was doing the news. Yeah. And so the last two years, we've had dinner together. And that's never happened before, except for on weekends, right? Yeah. I never picked them up from school. Hmm. I, just these little things, right? And I didn't realize, and when we were, when school was out after spring break and we were together until June and then we were together all summer and then until they went back to school in September, I really got to see a side of my kids that I hadn't noticed before. Hmm. And that was my fault because I was always busy and I was always working. And if I wasn't uh, working, I would just find volunteer work to do because I thought the busier I was, the better I would be. Hmm. And, um, and you know, I would be, um, I don't know, I, I was trying to fill a void, I guess, for myself too. So I really noticed how much I missed and it really crushed me. Like it crushed me. And I am now, you know, I've had two years where, and especially during the pandemic, I've really noticed it, but I've been to parent teacher interviews and I've Hmm. been to every, like I've done, I've been on field trips, you know, in the last (laughs) two years, all these things that I never really did before that I really, cause I was, my focus was somewhere else. It's not that I wasn't parenting. It's just that I was parenting in a different way. And so I think it's been a real gift to me to realize that, wow, working for the man uh, has some 
major downsides, <laughs> right? And I think that a lot of people working from home now, it's hard to work from home. Yeah. No doubt, especially when you have kids. But I think we've also got a taste of, wow, it's kind of nice to work from home and still make my kids lunch. Or it's nice to work from home and tuck them into bed at night or yeah. whatever it might be. So I think that we've all had a shift in that way. And I, I hope that it makes us realize a bit of a, you know, work-life balance. Mm -hmm. Like, how do we balance this better so that we're not all just like in this major rat race of trying to get ahead? You know, it was a huge lesson for me losing, you know, my job and, and, and then going, whoa, who am I? Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who am I if I'm not this? Yeah. You know, and 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 peeling that back. And so I, I'm definitely a different person from the pandemic. I miss Do you think my... it's all part of the same chapter for you, losing mm. your job, going through the pandemic? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. I feel like I'm coming out the other side of this. I've had some pretty dark days and some pretty low times. And and not and because of the pandemic, you know, there's been uh, I think for many people, there has been an immense sense of loneliness. Yeah. And it's a loneliness that is, you can be in a house with five people like I am and still be really lonely. Hmm. And it's, it's really hard to dissect that and admit it and, and go, okay, why, like, why do I feel like this? And so, you know, I miss my friends. I miss, I miss being in a newsroom where I have tons of people around and, you know, and routines with those people. Yeah. I and miss, there's adrenaline. Yeah. And, and I miss that, right? I didn't realize what yeah. a social person I was at work and in my personal life. And, you know, so so it's been a huge adjustment. But I will say that I remember talking to uh, my therapist shortly after um, <laughs> the isolation started. And we were about three weeks in. So it had to be April. And she was like, well, how are you doing, Tamara? I said, oh, my God, I've never been happier. And she said, what? And she go I said, I've never been happier. And she goes, Why? And I said, well, I said, for the last 18 months, I've been, you know, home alone, <laughs> worried about money, worried about uh, getting a job, worried about all these things. And now everybody's doing it. And I'm not alone anymore. Like, I feel like this massive sense of relief that I am not the only one riddled with worry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like riddled with worry. And it actually made me feel better. I'm tired of all of it now. And I want us to all get back to normal because yeah. I think we all miss. And I hope that we come out of it and go and value our friendships more and value yeah. a hug and value, um, you know, debates in person and all those sorts of things. And, and I hope that we're kinder to each other yeah. because we've all been hiding behind a keyboard for the last, you know, year. And and um, it's going to change for sure. And I, I hope we're nicer to each other. And I hope that we can find ways to um, make life better for all of us, yeah. not just some of us. And so, yeah, I've, I'm definitely a different person because of the pandemic. I'm a different person because of my experience running in a federal election. I'm a different person from having uh, a job for 22 years and losing that job. Those are all things that uh, have been painful, but they have 
uh, they have allowed me to um, to stretch and grow in ways that maybe I wouldn't have before mm -hmm. and look at myself and my purpose and what I want in a different way. Right. And so right. I feel really good about 2021 and, and I'm, I, I'm actually surprised that I got to that place to really look forward to it. I know there's still a pandemic. I know it's not going to disappear on <laughs> December 31st, but I feel good about where I am emotionally like, and where I am uh, in my growth and who I am and what I want to do and what I want to be and what I want to put out into the world. I feel pretty good about where I think I'm going. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. I was thinking about this the other day. You know, we talk about hugs and like things you miss and parties and whatever else. And I was thinking one of those things is a smile from a stranger because mm. everyone's mm -hmm. wearing a mask. Like little stuff like that that we don't even think about. Can you not smile with your eyes? I'm probably not that good at it. Really? I don't know. I'm good at smiling with my Are eyes. You? <laughs> but you know, for a lot you know of women, what I, mean, though, right? I do. Like, but for a lot of women, we're very happy to wear your mask because we don't have to have oh, some sure. jerk guy say to us, <laughs> smile. <laughs> If you if you smiled, you'd be prettier. <laughs> Fair enough. That's a it's a have different experience. Have you ever experience. had somebody tell you to smile? I have never had someone tell me to smile. I've never asked someone to smile. I'm usually <laughs> the one smiling. I smile a lot too. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I so I, I say that in a joking way because it's like it is true. I know a lot of women who are just like, oh my gosh, it's just so nice to have a mask on and not worry about somebody saying, oh, you smile. Fair enough. Again. But I different do. experience. I know but what you mean. It's also just that idea of, you know, when you're at the grocery store or whatever. I know. Just being nice and friendly as as, as opposed to now where it's like, do not come close to well, me. Sometimes this is my bubble. Yeah. And sometimes I find like I know everybody at our grocery store, right? Mm. And so I go in and there and I see somebody and I, I'm smiling at them and they're looking at me and I'm like, I'm smiling at you. And they're like, Oh shoot, you know, sorry, Tamara. And you know, because we can't tell even if we're smiling or if we're yeah. mad or if we're whatever, right? We use our face so much in when we communicate with others. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, it 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 that'll be nice too to see more smiles in that. And I it's coming, right? It's going to take time, but it's coming. Yeah. You know. One thing I've tried to let go of this year, and it's actually been a year-long process. I didn't realize I did this is toxic positivity. So I'm a pretty positive person, pretty happy-go-lucky. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I'm suppressing anything. But I think it's important to sit with what we would call quote-unquote negative emotions. It's important to digest those emotions. Mm -hmm. I think when we have friends, family, loved ones who are going through a hard time, understanding that they don't want to hear what the silver lining is right. all the time. Yeah, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. want to, again, digest through that stuff. Mm -hmm. And for me, you know, Maybe I use silver linings as a crutch for myself, and it works. You know, I have no, I don't, I don't feel like I'm ever suppressing anything. But I think for others, it to be empathetic is to sit with them in the fire that they're going through, mm -hmm. as opposed to just being like, "Well, on the bright side, yeah, <laughs> this." And listen, there <laughs> are bright sides to a lot of things, but then there's not. You know, yeah, and I think and, I yeah. was guilty of being that person, not out of malice or not out of trying to shut someone up, mm -hmm. just out of trying to make someone feel better. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, in terms of mental health, like I've never had a year that it's just a roller coaster. Like I'm, you know, I'm on a high for a, mm-hmm. a couple of months and then I'm, yeah. you know, kind of in a low because you feel that isolation and then you're on a high again. And like I've stayed productive. Things have, I have no complaints during the year, but it's been a weird year emotionally. It's been a weird year for the mood. And I think accepting that you don't have to be positive all the time. No, to get you don't. That. It's a nice way to live, really. Mm-hmm. If you can, I mean, I've been called a Pollyanna many times, right? Where I'm <laughs> always looking for the bright side, well, always the bright me. side, yeah. right? And 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 so for for people like us who like to look at the bright side, who like to look at the, it's hard to look at. You know, for me, it's hard to look at the not bright side because it can really get me down, yeah. you know, especially, you know, in times like this, right. Mm-hmm. Where you are feeling a little bit lonely or you're feeling disconnected from your friends or whatever it might be. So, so, I mean, do you make New Year's resolutions or anything? I was going to ask you. Oh, is that what I you do. were getting to? Yeah. Ah, We're getting towards the end. I don't, I don't make New Year's <laughs> resolutions. You don't? I don't. I used to, when I was younger, uh, like, oh, I'm going to read a book a month or something like that. It was never anything crazy. Mm. I've never had a New Year's resolution to, like, lose weight or anything mm. to do with my appearance or, or anything because I just, like, I just don't care about that stuff. Um, Ever? You were in showbiz. Uh, yeah, well... Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I cared about it more when I when I was on TV. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I'm. Uh, you know, listen, I've been eating so many Costco sized potato chip bags <laughs> and drinking Me too. a lot of Sauvignon Blanc uh, and uh, some Ripple chips. Well, you know, during this pandemic, and I, I, I'm sure that if I went to go put on one of my work suits, I, I'm not sure I would be able to do it up. But mm-hmm. I don't care anymore because yeah. that's what this year has given me. Right, like where are my priorities. Yeah. And and so I don't really make new year's resolutions, but I do like to have like an idea of what, you know, what is what is my focus going to be? Mm. What is my, you know, and for me the, you know, uh, like not that I'm a person who chooses a word or whatever, uh, but I have chosen a word, which is <laughs> ruthless. Whoa. Yeah. Ruthless. Ruthless with me. Ruthless with my time. Wow. Ruthless with my, um, with my, just ruth, mostly ruthless with my time because there are things that I want to do. And, you know, I have talked so long about writing a book. I know. And you promised me a signed copy. I know. Once yeah, it's yeah, printed. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, if I don't, if I'm not ruthless, yeah. it's not going to happen. And so I have to be ruthless with my time. Wow. And I'm one of those people that is not ruthless with my time. I will give my time away to anybody that comes along. A stranger. I will give my time to. As evidenced here. By you being exactly. on the podcast. Uh, no, but you know, and so I need to really do, you know, an inventory of of my time and how I spend it and what's important to me. And what's important to me is my children and writing this book and um and obviously uh making money. Uh but that will come when I'm ruthless with my time. And yeah. so ruthless is how I have to think about like, does me doing this feed into what I need to do, which is this? And it's like, you know, it's hard to do. It's not easy for anybody to do. Yeah. 
You know, I am a time waster extraordinaire. Oh, me too. Yeah. I raked all the leaves on my entire block. That's, that's not wasting time. That's yes, being it is. a productive member of your community. No, I like I bagged 15 bags of leaves. That's amazing. I, I wish you were my neighbor. I know. I know. But it was not it was not a, a good use of my time when I could have been doing I could have been writing, Stuff for yourself, you know, yeah. exactly. Right. So yeah. it's like, I, you know, I just waste another year of not doing what it is that I really want wow. to do, you know? So I don't know. That's how I'm going into 2021. I like that. Ruthless. I, I really like that idea of grounding yourself with one word. Mm-hmm. I'm really good at new year's resolutions. This was really? the first. Like what? Year. Like you're going to do something like you make one, like I'm going to yeah. lose weight or I'm going to yeah. read a book or I'm going to really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's too much pressure and you just end up disappointing yourself. I, I, I thrive off structure. Yeah, but it, I do too. So it just forces me to get into a structure. What was your New Year's resolution for 2020? How did uh, that work out for you? <laughs> terribly, terribly. Mm-hmm. I was, um, so I started 2020, a little soft, right? I would say... And, the, and again, we're talking about weight here. Oh, sorry. Soft as in weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the club. I, I felt like I was, you know, 20 pounds from peak physical shape. And, and again, 20 pounds is like an approximate because it's more about You're a guy. Endurance. Guys can lose 20 pounds like if they think about I it. I put on 35. I didn't lose anything. I put it on because of the pandemic. I was doing well at the oh, start. Oh, right. Yeah. Then I ended up putting it on. So, and I'm I'm readjusting now. I've got a Peloton at home. I'm still kind of eating. Oh junk. my god, you are unbelievable! Why? Oh, it's just so funny. I bought I bought great. a Peloton. Okay, uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. you're so funny. But I'm adjusting my lifestyle now. I'm still eating chips, like you, like you well, said. Well, why I'm wouldn't still, you? It's a pandemic, right? I'm adjusting that, but I like this idea of one word. And the one word I feel like I've probably been working towards, and I've brought this up a few times, is undeniable. Mm. I always see anything I produce, anything I work on, it has to be undeniable. Like, mm. I don't want there to be any excuses. I don't want there to be any thoughts of why this isn't good. It's just like, if you see it, if you saw it, if you heard mm-hmm. it, it's undeniable. And so maybe I'm going to Use that as my grounding word. That's a good word. Yeah. Yeah. You can remind yourself of that word. I think it's I think it's just it's 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 more doable to have like a word or something that you can just kind of come back to that means something instead of because I'm sorry, like I've had all the New Year's resolutions, right, in the past, and you always end up feeling crappy about yourself if you don't meet the resolution. Whereas if it's like, I know that you know, I got 365 days and this is how I want to be. I want to be this way, you know, undeniable Yeah. in whatever it is that you choose to do. And you can apply that to, you know, your Peloton or whatever. It's going to be undeniable. I'm going to get on that Peloton and it's going to be undeniable that I'm going to cycle. Yeah. You know, exactly. And I would agree with you. I don't like tangible goals. Mm -hmm. And so what I mean, what I mean by that is even by the, like, let's take the weight loss goal, for example, Mm -hmm. right? So I've done it in the past, Mm -hmm. totally works. I never set a number. Mm. What I set was from Sunday to Friday, I am going to eat super clean. I'm going to plan out my meals. Mm. You know, it's more about process. I think once I set a process as opposed to like a number or a tangible goal, Mm. that's where I get very successful. I've... I've brought this up here and there. 
it's not worth talking about, but I've written a novel. Like I, like I have a, I have a manuscript, but that was a new year's resolution where I didn't say I'm going to write a book this year. I said, Every week, I'm going to put 10 hours of my week right. towards writing. It's the process. I yeah. get it. That makes sense. And that, I found, worked wonders for me. Because well, then you're not— You're taking small bites through the— Yeah. 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 And you're not worried about the end result. Yeah. And I, it was never, I'm going to finish a book at the end of the year. It's going to be, every week, i got to put in these 10 hours. Yeah. And so you break out, you figure out where you're going to put them. I like it. Sounds ruthless. <laughs> so the book— Coming eventually, coming soon. I've written half of my book proposal. Really? Yeah. And I've had um, some help uh, from a friend of mine who is an author. She lives in the U.S. and she's written three books. And she's helped me with the first half of it. And, uh, and you know, I just need to sit and write. And um, I feel really good about it. And I feel like this is something that... Not only do I want to do it, I feel like it's something that I really need to do for myself. Mm. I, maybe I'll never publish it. Maybe it'll never get. Uh, it doesn't matter. But I to get me. to read it, right? You will. Yes. It do, none of that matters <laughs> to me. That that part of it doesn't matter. What matters is that I I I put it out there yeah. for myself, right? Well, I remember the first time we chatted, which mm-hmm. was last year. Mm-hmm. You were talking about it. And yeah. I was like, you got to do it. I talk about it all it. the time to not very many people. I'm glad I'm saying it on your podcast now so more people know about that. I've got this goal for myself. We're creating hype. Oh, We're creating buzz. Gosh. But, you know, I just, it's its important to me. It's, yeah. it's something that's really important to me. And I need to honor that and, 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 and be ruthless with my time so that I have space for myself, mm-hmm. you know, because it gets lost sometimes. We got to wrap it up. Yeah. Your podcast, Tell Us Talks. It's so great. Focuses on health, wellness. Yeah, pandemic stuff. Yeah, great timing for it. Great. It's why they wanted to do it. We started it on March 14th. Um, Darren Entwistle, the CEO of TELUS, called me on the morning of March 14th and hmm. said, I think I, I think we need to do a podcast where we can give people some, you know, long form information about this pandemic. I think this pandemic is going to be like a big thing. And I was <laughs> like, God. really? Do you really think? Because like, I remember going, really? Like, well, no what? it was a day after school ended for yeah. spring break, right? And I remember it was nine in the morning and I said, okay, yeah, that sounds great. Like, I think that you guys could do a really good job with this. Yeah, and he goes, well, I want you to host it. And I I said, oh, sure. Yeah, I would love to. So it came directly out of the pandemic. That was the idea. This was the whole reason for it. And at first it was only going to be a few weeks Mm -hmm. because who knew the pandemic was going to last this long and um and i said to him i said that sounds great i said you know what if you if you guys can get this organized we could maybe even start on monday with a he goes i was hoping to start this afternoon wow yeah and i just i thought oh wow i like how these people work (laughs) right and that afternoon i was in their studios down on georgia street and i recorded a podcast and and then the next a few days later, they were in my house before everything shut down, and they set up a little studio in my nice. basement, and um, and that's where I do them from. And I've talked to people all over North mm. America, from you know epidemiologists to psychiatrists, psychologists, authors, and um, you know we have talked about everything from systemic discrimination to mm-hmm. the pandemic to how we act when we're in isolation um, to how how we can use 
isolation to our benefit mm-hmm. to reach goals and all kinds of things. And it's really been amazing. I forgot how much I loved to ask people questions and how much <laughs> I love, you know, having a conversation with somebody. I yeah. love having conversations. And so, and I have a, I have a, a vast, um, uh, you know, sense of curiosity. And mm-hmm. I and if I don't feed that curiosity, I don't do well. And so this has really given me an opportunity to ask questions on a topic that maybe I've never thought about before. And I can do my research and have these conversations. So it's been a real gift for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's been great. That's so funny. I mean, that's how I feel about this. Yeah, and it's great, right? You get to talk to people. And isn't yeah. it wonderful to, you know? Yeah, you get to learn things or you get to chat with people you admire yeah. and pick their brain about how they see the world. It's totally. amazing. I agree. It is a fantastic podcast. It's going to continue into the new year. Yeah, I talked to Darren the other day and I said, so what do you think? And he goes, I love it. I want to keep doing it. And I'm, he's like, do you? And I'm like, yeah, I great. do. So yeah, it is going to continue. And it's great. They are. They have been amazing to work with. Amazing. So beyond checking out Telus Talks with Tamara Taggart, mm-hmm. what is your call to action as we wrap it up here? I, you know what, is, uh, I would really love for people uh, moving forward to think about uh, people in our community that have been in isolation in their homes since March because they can't leave, mm-hmm. because uh, they will die if they leave, and, uh, and what life is like for them and how we can make their lives easier, whether they be people who have, you know, health challenges, like my friend, you know, one of my girlfriends, she has had cancer on and off her entire life. Mm-hmm. If she gets this virus, she will die. She has rented an apartment away from her family so her daughters can go to school. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like, think about that, right? When you're, when you're, not wanting to wear your mask or you're not wanting to, you know, do what Dr. Bonnie Henry says or you're or you're questioning one little thing about her. Just remember the people that aren't as privileged as you to walk down the street, mm-hmm. even with a mask on. And think about our disabled community and how, you know, how we can support them and push government to to look out for all of us, not just some of us. And um yeah, I don't know. That's a pretty good note to end on. I mean, that's that's how I feel, right? Like, I I think that we'll be a better we'll be in a better place if we can do just that one thing, you know, just that one thing. Yeah, I I think that should be the theme coming out of 2020. Let's think of people who are more vulnerable, who are the most marginalized. We're all you know in this together, but we can't say that unless we are thinking about. Some of those people yeah. who are quote unquote no on the fringes asking, or that are forgotten. No about. one's asking, no one goes in search of living on the street. Mm-hmm. People don't, that's not their their goal in life, right? Yeah. So how can how can we just stop that from happening again? And how can we help the people that are there? They're not there by choice. Mm-hmm. You know, they're there by circumstance and they're there because they weren't as lucky as you. Yeah. And it exactly. comes down to luck. That's it. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I just, I hope that we can, I hope that's what comes out of the pandemic. <laughs> I hope that we can, you know, we all come out of this as, as better people. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Ruthless. <laughs> Tamara, you are my favorite. Oh. I love chatting with you. I, I love drinking wine with you. with you. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, anytime. We, we more. can zoom it. We'll zoom it. Yes. I think Mo, Mo, thank you. Thank you for thank you for having me. I really I love talking to you and and um you make me feel you make me feel um 
you make me feel happy. So thank you. <laughs> I just want to say I'm so grateful that you gave me the time of day last year and then this year. Like I said, I think that was a really big turning point for this podcast to get that feature in the Vancouver Sun, to get people talking about it. And the reason that happened was because you came in here, you spoke personal truths, you wore your heart on your sleeve, it resonated with people. That's my intention for this podcast. And mm. I think, like I said, you set the tone for the rest of the year in a lot of different ways. And I'm always going to be appreciative and grateful for that. So I want to wish you and Dave and your kids and your whole family a very Merry Christmas. Mm. All the best for the new year. And uh, you'll be back in 2021. Right? <laughs> yeah, I will. Maybe with my book. <laughs> right. Thank you, Mo. I wish you happy holidays, honestly. And thank you for th thank you for just being, you know, a good pal. I really appreciate it. Thank you. People, that's it. The last <laughs> podcast of 2020. I wouldn't have done it without anyone else. She is a Canadian media icon. She is the powerful Tamara Taggart. And I am Mo Amir telling you <laughs> that in a city where you can be anything, be colorful. Peace. Folks, I'm Mo Amir, this is CKNW, and this is your Van Color Moment. Since April, Premier John Horgan and the BCNDP government have provided people with disabilities and people with lower incomes, including 60,000 seniors and 23,000 families with children in most need, with a supplemental $300 a month. This is a game-changing amount of money spent on wellness for people who have also significantly lost in-person support services due to the pandemic. Most of all, it is an automated, easy-to-access program. Last week, though, the BC government announced that they would claw back half that assistance to $150 per month, and the program would end in March. Those receiving the halved assistance could then apply for the one-time BC recovery benefit, the $1,000 per household or $500 per individual, open to 3.7 million British Columbians. The problem, however, is access. The COVID recovery benefit involves hurdles, like tax-based documentation, a bank account, and other administrative barriers which some folks may not be able to clear, unlike the streamlined $300 support supplement. Forcing the most vulnerable people in our communities to jump through hoops to secure the other half of that money does not live up to the spirit of this government's commitment to equity. Equity is not about circumstance, it's about access to support systems. Now, Premier Horgan says he will personally push for a permanent assistance increase in the April budget, but will it be for $300 a month? And what about January to March for those in need who can't access the COVID recovery benefit. Clearly, this government has more work to do. As we head into the new year, it is incumbent upon all of us to ensure that BC builds a pandemic recovery with everyone in mind, most of all, our most vulnerable. Otherwise, there really is no reason to believe that we are in this together. This has been your Van Color Moment with Mo Amir on 980 CKNW. 